Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 26 of our YouTube channel and podcast. And I could not be more excited to uh, continue working with you all and talking to you about personal finance topics and just helping you to move forward in your financial life and, and grow towards a, a place of fi good financial habits and financial freedoms. Today, we're gonna cover the last of the investment principles that I've laid out. This one's gonna differ a little bit from the first three that we covered. Those had a lot to do with uh, your returns and mitigating risk in your returns. And this is going to help to maximize your returns as well, but just in a different way. We're gonna talk about minimizing your fees that you pay for investing and how you can do that in a responsible way. Before we get too far along though, if you could go down below, uh, subscribe to this channel, hit the, vid the big red subscribe button. Also like this video, hit the, the thumb, smash that thumb. Uh, leave me any feedback in the comments. And if you're on iTunes or Spotify and you're listening to this as a podcast version, uh, you can subscribe there as well. And uh, that's just Money's No Object with Dylan Howell on both of those platforms. So you can subscribe, leave me a review. That'd be awesome. Uh, also, follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan and check out the website where you can learn about the financial coaching services, www.mnowithdylan.com. So let's jump right into this topic of fees. So what kind of fees do you pay when you're investing? So the first one I want to talk about is one of the most obvious, and it's one of the ones that just about everybody who's investing on a consistent basis uh, in any kind of mutual fund or ETF is going to have to pay, and that is the expense ratio. And what an expense ratio is, it's just a, uh, a fee that's stated as a percentage of assets under management, so a percentage of, for you, the amount of money that you have put into an account, but for the mutual fund itself, the entire amount of assets that it has invested, um, it's going to take that percent of those assets as a fee. And so your, uh, your expense ratio is going to be stated on an annual basis, and you're not going to be billed for it, and you're not going to see it as... Uh, some kind of line item or, or whatever that uh, you're going to have to pay out of your pocket. No, it's going to come directly out of your investment account. Uh, so you don't have to worry about paying directly, but you do want to make sure that you're not overpaying out of your account uh, for these fees uh, because that can eat into your net returns. Then another uh, type of fee that's associated with some mutual funds, not all, but some uh, are called 12B1 fees. And so a 12B1 fee is for uh, the marketing and distribution of a mutual fund. So in order for managers to market a fund for distribution and to try to uh, get more investors in a fund, they may charge a 12B1 fee uh, to get the name of their fund out there. And so uh, this will typically um, be stated again, either, uh, this may be a dollar amount, but it may also be a percentage, typically a percentage, uh, of assets under management. And, uh, this also can eat into your returns. Um, but you know, only some mutual funds have this and especially those that are less common, uh, mutual funds will, will be, um, having these types of, uh, fees that way they can get their name out there and try to market their, their fund as, as well as possible. Then there are, and, and this is probably the most common type of fee paid, are uh, these custodial fees 
or account management fees. So uh, this is going to be paid, you know, if you're invested in an IRA or 401k or whatever, this is some dollar amount or percentage of assets under management that is paid directly to the provider of your account. And so uh, these, these are really, really common fees uh, that can show up on your investment accounts. And this is not dependent on the type of investment that you hold. So like the, the expense ratios and the 12B1 fees were dependent on the type of investment. So mutual funds, ETFs, whatever. But regardless of your type of investment, you may have to pay these uh, account management or, or custodial fees uh, anyway. So that, that's something that you need to look out for, especially in your retirement accounts. Then there are also loads, commissions, and trading fees. So loads are typically on mutual funds and you'll hear front end or back end loads. So basically what it means is you pay some percentage on either the buy of the mutual fund. So that would be a front end load. You would pay some percentage uh, or you would have to pay a back end load, which is some percentage on the sell of the mutual fund. So, so that's where a load would be. Then uh, there are also commissions that may have to be paid uh, for buying certain mutual funds and those are paid uh, for the managers and the companies uh, to make money for actually being able to sell the fund to you. And then trading fees are, are a tad different. Trading fees uh, may have to do with the uh, particular trades that you're putting in. So uh, this kind of has gone away in the recent past, not completely, but it's been greatly diminished. So a lot of firms have taken their trading fees either down to zero or they're very uh, specific as to what you do have to pay for and what you do not have to pay for. Uh, so this is much easier now, but, but all that it is is each trade that you make, they're going to charge you some uh, dollar value. And uh, like I said, for, for most companies, especially if you're buying their mutual funds or their ETFs, you don't have to do this. Um, or if you're doing very simplistic trading, uh, you don't have to do this. But then when individuals get into more sophisticated trading strategies, then they'll start charging uh, those types of fees. But it's still something you need to look out for in case your uh, brokerage firm still does this type of thing. So now that we've identified some of the particular types of fees that you should look out for, let me just hit you with this. Fees are bad. And why do I say fees are bad? They, they, aren't they serving a purpose? Aren't they doing some kind of good? Well, not really, not for you. So any fees that you pay are going to eat into your returns. And that's a problem. We want to maximize our returns, like we've talked about previously, maximizing our returns by minimizing risk. So the most return for the least amount of risk. Well, I don't want that to happen and then get my returns eaten into by some other entity in fees. So uh, I, I want to minimize my fee load as much as possible. That way I can maximize my after tax, my real realized returns. And what this may actually do, if, if you have higher fees, it may force you to take higher risk than your risk profile says that you need to take. So for instance, if I need to have a 7% after-tax return, after-tax return meaning you know if I'm in a brokerage account and I'm having to pay taxes on it, okay, if, if I need a 7% return after all that's said and done, and let's say I, I can make that, I can make that 7% return, but let, then let's say my total fees add up to 1% or 1.5%. Well, now I'm going to have to get an 8 or 8.5% return 
just in order to net the 7% that I need. And that's an issue because we talked about previously the risk reward relationship in order to get more reward or return, you have to take on more risk. And so in order to get that higher return, I'm going to have to take on higher risk. Well, that may not be what I need to be doing given my particular risk profile. And so the higher the fees, it's going to push you into, into a, a greater amount of risk that you, either you may not be comfortable with um, or that just may not suit you well. And so you need to be very diligent about uh, checking out these fees and minimizing them as much as possible. Fees especially make things harder for smaller investors. So I talked earlier about trading fees that have uh, greatly been diminished at this point. But when individuals were paying, you know, seven, eight dollars per trade and they're trying to make money as a smaller investor, well, that kind of pushes you into having to passively invest. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But it pushed smaller investors into doing things that maybe weren't what they wanted to do or what they needed to be doing uh, at the particular time in their financial life. And so it, it puts this strain, especially the, the dollar value uh, fees, they, they put a strain on small investors because small investors have more to lose. It's a, every dollar is a greater percentage of their, their total net worth or their, to, their total account balance. And so that can be an issue. And with the with the percentage fees, uh, they also tend to lessen as an individual puts more and more money into a particular mutual fund or ETF or, or whatever it may be. Uh, a lot of different brokerage companies have those types of uh, incentives in place for having more and more money in a particular fund. Well, once again, that hurts the small investor because they're still paying that higher percentage of the assets under management. And so also these fees that you're paying don't do much, if any good. So one example of this that, that you can look at directly is Warren Buffett, who, you know, savvy investor, one of the richest men in the world, he bet hedge fund managers that they could, they could pick any group of hedge funds that they wanted and um, he would put those up against the S&P 500 and I think it was a 10-year window that they looked over to see, you know, how each would perform over that 10 years. And he, he bet them that, you know, whoever uh, had the highest returns would win. And the S&P 500 did. And you may say, well, why is this significant? Well, this is significant because you can buy the S&P 500 as a mutual fund or ETF or, or whatever that may be uh, free in most cases. No expenses. Nothing tied to it. And so why would you spend exorbitant fees and with hedge funds they were spending exorbitant fees because hedge funds have some of the higher fees in the industry so they were paying for the hedge funds when they were losing to the s p 500 and so you can see how this is this is a bit of an issue uh in the fact that you can pay fees and feel like you're doing a good thing by by having good managers who are getting compensated well and whatever but that doesn't necessarily turn into good returns. To be clear though, there are great mutual funds, ETFs, whatever, with high fees, and there are great ones with really low fees. And similarly, there are um, really bad funds with high fees, and there are really bad funds with low fees. And so you have to be diligent in seeing you know, what your, your particular fund has done 
historically or what certain funds have done historically and that's no indication of the future but if they've had the same manager for a particular length of time or or whatever it may be or maybe it's an index fund and uh, you don't necessarily have to worry about a manager making the decisions then uh, the, then history can can tell you a lot about what you can expect moving forward so uh, I just don't want you to get caught in this trap of thinking well if it's charging higher fees you must get higher returns that is just not the case and and I also don't want you to think that just because fees are really low that it's a great fund also not the case you have to weigh out all of the uh, variables that go into what is a good mutual fund what is a good investment for me at a given time and I also want you to know that fees can be sneaky and what do I mean by this well there are some fees that investors don't even understand or know that they're paying and one of the biggest contributors uh, to this sneakiness is the 401k and the 401k is is one of the most commonly used uh, retirement plans in the United States today and has been for quite a while so uh, what's sneaky about the fees in a 401k well uh, a lot of the the particular management fees or fees that the the custodian of the 401k uh, is charging either they are not simply laid out for the investor um, or they're through a, a bunch of uh, legal mumbo jumbo that you have to go through and if you don't know what you're looking for you can easily miss on top of that if you take uh, just for example if you took a uh, Vanguard mutual fund um, which Vanguard's a brokerage firm so if you took a Vanguard mutual fund in an IRA with Vanguard and you took a Vanguard mutual fund in a 401k plan that's not with Vanguard then this exact same mutual these are the exact same mutual fund you will pay a higher expense ratio on the one in your 401k in a lot of cases and that's very sneaky that that's something that you don't necessarily expect but it, it is the case and so even though 401ks can be great wealth building tools they can also be breeding grounds for great fees that investors have to pay that they don't necessarily know that they're paying so what are some ways that we can keep fees low in application how can we uh, in in practice in our actual investing keep fees low so one way that I've kind of harped on throughout this video so far and uh, I'll just reiterate here is finding funds that are lower cost so uh, like I said there can be bad low cost funds but I'm invested in, in several mutual funds that are very low cost yet are very good mutual funds so you can find them um, and they're not hard to find and so just uh, be diligent in checking you know with your brokerage firm you know what are the fees if you can't uh, you know tell if they're not readily available if those numbers you don't really understand you can always call and ask or you can uh, ask a, an investment advisor to help you to to understand what the fees actually are and so um, that that's just a practical way because most of us are going to build wealth through uh, mutual funds and index funds and ETFs and and these diversified uh, portfolios of stocks bonds whatever and in order to do that efficiently we want to minimize the fees so low-cost funds is the first way then also don't trade too often that's that's a second way that we can minimize our fees because I, I know that I said a lot of trading fees have been taken away and Charles Schwab was a company that basically drove these uh, fees to zero uh, for most brokerage firms they they had to keep up by keeping up with 
Charles Schwab. And so a, a lot of these fees are driven to zero. And, you know, that's cool. That That's fine uh, if they are zero. But uh, if they aren't, uh, then you need to know that and you need to be very diligent in how you're going about it. And some firms allow you a certain number of free trades and then they get into you know paying $5 a trade or whatever. And for a small investor, that can be really detrimental and, and can eat into your returns early on. And so we don't want that to happen. Also, when you're trading more, what it can do is it can trigger taxes, especially if you're uh, investing in a brokerage account of some type, you can trigger taxes that weren't necessary. So, uh, for instance, if you were to buy and sell something within a year's time, then you have to pay income taxes, your personal income tax rate on the gains that you made on that investment. And if you hold it for a year or more, then you'll have to pay capital gains rate on the gains from those that selling and capital gains rate is typically less than your your income tax rate uh, so you can tell that it, it's smarter of you to hold investments longer and not trade uh, as often uh, in many cases and and these brokerage firms are going to incentivize you for not trading as often and also keep a bulk of your funds in investment accounts that have lower fees so for instance, if you find out that your 401k has some unnecessary fees, and maybe you're getting the match in your 401k, so you don't want to stop investing in it, but maybe you just want to get the match and then move to a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA if you have to. Um, but you want to move from that to a Roth IRA maybe, and, and that would be a, a good transition to minimize fees by moving from a, a higher feed 401k to an IRA that may have much lower uh, fee structure within it. Um, so that, that may be something that you need to do in order to uh, minimize the money that, that's getting taken away from you in fees, yet still getting the benefits of that 401k account. There's a reason that that's one of the biggest wealth builders for individuals in the United States. And then the, the last thing you can practically do is care about fees as much as you care about returns, because all a fee is is a negative return. And so let me, let me read you a quick example that, that may pique your interest into why Caring about fees is so important. So if uh, you were to give up 1% of return, so if you had 1% of total fees, and so let's say instead of 10%, your returns were 9%, but they would have been 10% if you would have had no fees. Over a 30-year period on a $10,000 initial investment, that's almost a $42,000 difference at the end of that 30 years that you're going to have to deal with that you're going to have to live with that you have foregone in order to just pay these fees and so being diligent about the fees that you paid minimizing them uh, can make quite the difference and that's just on a one-time ten thousand dollar investment think about if you're investing you know a thousand dollars you know if you're really getting after it investing wise and you're investing a thousand dollars a month over the course of 30 years i mean it's going to be way more than forty two thousand dollars that that one percent is going to get going to eat into your investment accounts and so you you need to be diligent you need to make sure that you're minimizing these fees because if not then you're going to lose money on the back end that you could have had to uh, live financially free and live your best life uh, moving forward so that means some homework for you that means that that you have to do the research. That means when you're researching investments, you can't just look at prior performance. You need to look at 
the fee structure and you need to understand what an expense ratio is and a 12B1 and things like that. That's why I led off this video with those ideas. That way you would understand what some of these things are and what to actually look for. And if you can't understand them, you need to get somebody to help you to do so. So what you really need to understand is that decreasing fees is maximizing returns when all else is equal. And we know we've talked about it. We want to maximize returns with the least amount of risk. So if I can maximize my returns, then I want to do that. And reducing our fees is a way that you can do that. That's why this is an investment principle, because when we're investing, we want the most returns we can get. Um, without having to deal with a bunch of unnecessary uh, fees and, and payouts that we don't necessarily have to do to build wealth long term. So then before we go, let's dig into one last place where fees may have to be paid. And these can be extremely dangerous, yet extremely useful fees. And so I want to dig into the fees that you will pay an advisor. Financial advisors and investment advisor representatives, typically what they're doing is they will oversee your account and advise you on your investments for some percentage of assets under management. So some percentage of your investments uh, that they will take, typically on a quarterly basis, they're going to take these out of your account. Not all of these fees are all bad. But you have to do the math and you have to think logically. You can't just take some percentage and say, oh, well, that percentage doesn't sound too bad. Do the math. See how much it's actually going to cost you in the long term and see if they are actually worth working with. And if you could just invest in a simple index fund that you could set up yourself and not have to pay those fees and, and do better. Um, so make sure you do the math. So if, if we go back to that example I had a moment ago, that 1% of fees that we're eating into that 10% returns, bringing it down into 9% net returns, right? And if that were the case, then, and let's say that 1% you were paying to an advisor, that's, that's where that fee was going. You were paying it to an advisor to manage your investments, to oversee your investment accounts. That would pan out to approximately $1,400 a year that you're giving up because you gave up $42,000 in investments on that $10,000 initial investment. So that's, that's saying over the course of that 30 years, on average, you're going to give up $1,400 a year. You have to determine if that's legitimate. You have to determine if you're willing to give up $1,400 a year to an individual to oversee your investments. They may be worth it, uh, but that's, that's a determination you have to make and you have to think logically about whether that is something you want to pay or not. And it's highly likely that you can find somebody with lower fees, um, but you need to shop around and you need to make sure that you're getting legitimate advice and low fees, uh, not just one or the other. I'm not saying don't pay anything, and I'm not saying that advisors can't be useful because they can. I am simply saying that sometimes it is more useful to just take the time to learn on your own and be able to do some simple things that will uh, help you build wealth long term than trying to work with someone who may be taking too much from you for the uh, benefit that they're bringing. Uh, at the end of the day, the reason that we're using advisors is to be set up to keep the most money that we can, to grow the most money that we can. And if they're not allowing us to do that um, for a reasonable price, uh, then, then we don't want to work with them. So uh, let, let's keep that in mind uh, when you want to meet with somebody or you want to 
uh, see if somebody can help you to invest. Beware of advisors touting higher returns than are sustainable over the long term because what what they know and what we know is that we are looking for uh, returns that in most cases, especially younger people, you're looking for returns that at least match the market, if not beat the market. Because if you can't beat the market, then why wouldn't you just buy the free S&P 500 uh, index fund somewhere? And if you're not beating the market, then what you're going to have to you know, wrestle with is, you know, why do I have an advisor? And so what they know is that whatever they invest you in is going to have to be at least what the index fund is going to return you net of fees. So not only do they have to keep up with the index, they have to beat the index, take their fee out, and still be at least at the index's level. And that's hard to do. So be very wary of them reaching for returns or the uh, investments that that they um, that they say that you should be invested in being higher than your risk profile. Like I talked about earlier, it's all about your risk profile and your risk return relationship. You don't want to reach for risk when it's not necessary. And what fees will make you do is it'll make you reach for more risk in order to reach for more return. That way your returns are greater than some benchmark index. And so I don't want you to fall into that trap. Sometimes it's just better to just learn on your own and be able to do things at a very low cost. One of the worst things you can do is sit around and go, well, it's only 1% or it's only 2% because those sound like tiny numbers, but I've already shown you how it can eat into a $10,000 investment over a long period of time. But just think about how much it could eat into far more than 10,000 as you're building. So um, don't fall into that trap. 1% a year is exponential. We talked about compound interest. The way that we were talking about inflation is exponential. So are fees. The way fees eat, eat into your account is also an exponential because 1% of a thousand is far less than 1% of a million. So just know that as you're making more money, so are they. And so maybe the mutual fund company and so maybe the brokerage firm or whoever you're paying fees to is also making more money. And, and so you just have to know if you're giving up 1%, it's not just 1% of today, it's 1% of tomorrow too. And that can be a big deal. So what does this all come down to? Keep fees low. Okay. This is one of my principles because I believe in it, because I, I see time and time again that it is hard to beat the market and it's hard for managers to beat the market enough that their after fees returns, their net of fees returns are good enough. And so just be diligent, be careful, do your research, know what the fees mean, go back and watch the, the first part of this video and understand the fees and then go and ask, what are your expense ratios? What is the 12B1? You know, how does this compare to other investment options, you know, go to your 401k provider and go, Hey, what are the fees that I'm paying? What, are, what is the expense ratio on this fund? Why is that greater than if I were to buy it in a, in a brokerage account or IRA and, and ask those questions and be able to minimize your fees with the knowledge that you have about what they are and how they are working against you actively. So, Hey, thanks for watching this video. I appreciate you 
uh, sticking with me, learning more about your investment fees. This is a, this is a big, big deal. It's a big topic, and I, I want you to be able to make the best decisions for yourself. Once again, go down below, click the subscribe button, like this video, hit the thumb, leave me any feedback in the comments that you think uh, may be interesting. Uh, go follow me on social media, at MNO with Dylan, and check out my website for financial coaching services where we can talk about uh, more of these things, and we can talk about um, how to find a good investment advisor representative and how to uh, ask the right questions and do the right things that will allow you to um, be in the best financial position possible long term. And you can learn about that at our website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Also, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, I appreciate you. Make sure you go and subscribe there as well and, and maybe even leave me a, a good review. That'd be uh, really awesome. So tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about uh, types of investment accounts and we're going to dig into employer-sponsored accounts tomorrow. I know we've hit a little bit on that before, but we're really going to dig in and get way more detailed tomorrow as to uh, what they are, how they work, and how you can uh, benefit from investing in these types of accounts. Also, be looking out on uh, Saturday and Sunday of this week. Uh, instead of posting a weekly rewind like I have in the past, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to start putting out clips from this week's videos. And so you can see some of the, the broad topics in shorter little clips, and maybe it'll be more digestible, and you'll be able to uh, watch them in a, in a quicker manner. Or maybe you just needed to watch one of them, and you'll uh, catch that one and then go back to that video to get the full details of what I talked about that day. So just be looking out for that. Those will come out on Saturday and Sunday, and I'll kind of spread those out uh, throughout those couple of days. So hey, Thanks for watching this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howe. God bless.